Ladies and gentlemen, make yourselves comfortable. I'm Kent Garrison. And I'm Brian Gill. And this is Mad About Movies. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. It's showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to podcast for all things cinema. Every week, we break down movie news, rumors and rumblings, and a chosen movie of the week. But don't worry if you haven't seen it, because we will warn you before we head into spoilers. And stay tuned till the end for weekly recommends, in which we suggest something that you need to check out ASAP. And remember, you can find all of our episodes online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. This week's movie of the week is what, Brian? This week we're going to be talking about Whiplash. Uh, it's about dang time. Yeah, I gotta say is. right off the bat, we've been trying. For we've a been long trying. We've not been uh, unaware of this movie. We just haven't had an opportunity. So yeah, no, it really has been in limited, very, very limited release for yeah. an, uh, a couple months now. This one, this one uh, hit came out in, in October. <laughs> October was it? Yeah, October tenth okay. is the, even earlier than I thought. Yeah, so. yeah. Wow, we've been trying, and yeah. uh, it was here. It was li- it was wide for like one week, and it was a very busy week for all of us. We couldn't make it happen, so we've been trying. So we're really excited to talk about this. One. We're rounding out the rest of uh, 2014 before we do our big end of year official end of year bash jamboree right. extravaganza, whatever you want to call it. I prefer jamboree. Jamboree, good. I like that. You can put jamboree on anything, and it makes it sound exciting. You can. It's one of my favorite words. Detention. Like, uh, Jamboree. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. Um, anyway, so this is one of the few that we have left. Uh, we have American Sniper and Selma, I believe, next week. Followed by Inherent Vice coming up pretty soon. Actually, here in a, a few hours, we'll be talking right. Inherent Vice with uh, Richard Barton. But R- Brian Gill and I are here to talk Whiplash. A little bonus episode, I guess you could say. It wouldn't be a Mad About Movies podcast, Brian, without a little movie news, rumors, and rumblings. So let's hit that. Movie news, yes! rumors, and rumblings. That's awesome. Let the filibustering begin. Uh, are there any rumblings this week? There is a couple of rumblings. There are a couple of rumblings. Ooh. Let's talk delays. We had two big delays announced today. And so... Uh, uh, let me guess. Okay. Jupiter Ascending. Oh, man. I, I'm to the point now, dude, where I'm really <laughs> excited about Jupiter Extending. Like, I almost put it on my – for my blog this week, I did a top ten most anticipated for the first half of the year. And I, I really came close to putting it on there oh. just for – I thought you said it I, was on there. I was like, wow. Oh, I, I really thought about it, but it would have been just for the, the sake of I, – I cannot wait to destroy that movie with you guys. Can't like, wait for the podcast, yeah. Oh, it's going to be so much fun because there is not <laughs> – there is no chance that that's not one of the three worst movies of the year, and we're getting it in a, in about, I guess, four weeks, something like that. It's like Eddie mid- Redmayne better hope that that comes out before the Oscars. That's all I have to say. Oh man, and Channing so Tatum, great. right? It's so great. There's a really good chance. I'm pretty sure that comes out the same day as Seventh Son. So yeah. there's a there's yeah. a very good chance that uh, judging by Golden Globes, and by the way, we're going to talk Golden Globes in our in our next episode when Richard's here. We all want to cover it together, but there's a very good chance. <laughs> That Seventh Son and uh, and Jupiter Ascending will be able to say that they have 
best actor or best actress at the upcoming <laughs> Oscar ceremony yeah. in their movies. So that's uh, that's exciting. I'm really excited for Seventh Son to be able to say Academy Award winner Jeff Bridges and Academy yeah. Award winner Julianne Moore. Like that's I'm very excited about this. Yes. Uh, but that's not the movie that's been that's been delayed. Dang Just, it. Well, I mean, there's still time. It's already been delayed like two years. What are we yes, saying? But. That's right. Uh, but we did have two movies announced today that are going to be delayed. And one I think we're bummed about, but it makes sense. The first one's uh, In the Heart of the Sea, the Ron Howard, Chris Hemsworth, uh, uh-huh. the movie about the USS Essex, uh, which was the basis for Moby Dick. We were pretty stoked about that one. That was very high on, on my personal anticipation list, Kent. I don't know if yeah. uh, how excited you were, but – I feel like we were all pretty pretty up on that. Uh, it's getting pushed from March to December, so it's getting pushed directly into award season, which uh, uh, you know is probably a good sign. It probably shows that it's a, a it's a very good movie. And I don't I don't know that it ever made sense why it was coming out in March to begin with. Like that just has award stuff written all over it to me. But uh, but it also means we've got a. That was like the one movie I think that we were all really looking forward to through the first three months of this year, and uh, and now we don't have it. It feels like spring break just got taken away. We've, we've got to slog <laughs> through until uh, yeah. Furious 7 comes out. So yeah. that's kind of a bummer. That is a bummer, and it makes me wonder. You know that he's handed in the movie. It's mm-hmm. done. movie's done. Right. Uh, I'm sure he handed it in by the you know 1st of January for marketing reasons, so – you know, there's deadlines to be met. Is my point when you're sure. when you're this close to release yeah. date? They're and, probably uh, they probably tuning. saw the movie yeah. and were like, either this needs a lot of work, or wow, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna release it in a prime prime time slot. They could move it for two reasons: because a, it's good, or b, they just want to make more money. I, I'm sure right. they'll make more money in Christmas. You you, you think? Than in yep. March release, uh, so I'm hoping it's the it's really good and we're delaying it rather than the it it needs a half a more year of work. Yeah, uh, I, I'm too, and I think it is. It. I th- I I would guess that it's it's because it's so good. We need to we need to push this into award season. I mean, it never made sense to me. Maybe I'm just way off, but it, it never made sense to me why it was coming out in March to begin with. That seems like a Thanksgiving. Or it Christmas probably day. had something to do with Ron Howard's schedule. Could be, and totally. after he made Rush, when's your next one going to be done? He'll be like, I could have one to you by spring of 2015. And they're like, sure. okay. Yeah. And they just sense. tentatively kind of put put that in his mind as a deadline. Mm-hmm. And then once he actually turned in the movie, they decided on the actual date. You know? Yeah. That, that's, 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 that's true. That's just my inclination there. But man, I want to see it. It, it, it. it piques my interest even more. And, and yeah. we had to be delayed, what, eight months? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, wow. It was uh, I, for the anticipated piece I wrote on Monday for my uh, for my website. It was I think number four on my list yeah. for the first half of the year. So the the, the downside is um, from that standpoint, the back half of the year is just totally loaded with movies that right. we're really excited to see. So now the uh, the rich just got richer, I guess. Yeah, I'm surprised any movies are willing to go into Star Wars season at this point. Yeah, you know, it tells <laughs> like me any anywhere near that, anywhere within yeah. 3 weeks or a month of that movie, it's just you better better hope you make your money before it comes out. That's all I have to say. Yeah, yeah it tells me that they think they're going to get award stuff out of it in addition to yeah. whatever they get at the box office. And that that makes sense because this year, 2015, it's it feels a little weird to say 2015 is is this year. I haven't uh haven't adjusted yet, but 
this year I think is very blockbuster heavy yeah. uh, and maybe is a little weak up at this point anyway on uh, the Oscar and award bait sort of things. Now, that's how it usually looks in January. Most of the movies that are going to win Oscars we don't know about until – uh, later into the year and whatnot, those are smaller films that that uh, come al- pop up along the way. So who knows? But it, it may be just one of those opportunities to say, "Hey, we think we can win an Oscar with this or Best Picture or whatever." Let's uh, let's stick it into that time slot. So anyway, uh, the other the other delay, and and this could be interesting as well for a conversational topic. Uh, we found out uh, this this evening that the Avatar sequels, the much-anticipated <laughs> Avatar sequels, are being pushed from 2016 to at least 2017. Uh, James oh. Cameron needed some more time to work on it, develop some more technologies, and uh, let, the, let the heat of Avatar uh, simmer down even a, even a little bit more. So, Kent, what's your, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, they were pushing it in the first place by having him, you know, make it in seven years. I mean, what do they want from a guy? <laughs> I mean, yeah. you want one movie? You want a sequel <laughs> to a movie that came out in 2009? Gosh, man. Well, I'll give it to you, but it's going to be almost a decade. That just – we were already at the point last year, early last year. We've we talked about this multiple times, uh, so go back in, in the archives for more Avatar sequel talk if you so desire. But yeah. um, we were at the point then where we didn't – we already didn't care about a sequel. Imagine us yeah. – uh, a couple of years, two years from now, at least. Yeah. Um, not going to be interested at all. And and it might be a case where he literally has to reinvent how movies are made in order for people to care about this at all. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, and that, that's that what it's going to take for me. From the first one. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't. I read an article recently. I may have sent it to you guys, or one of y'all may have sent it to me. I can't remember. Just talking about why Avatar doesn't seem to have any kind of cultural impact despite being the the biggest movie of all time or at least the highest grossing movie of all time. Uh, and it was very the, – the writer went back and uh, – I wish I could remember the, the name of the writer or even what website it was on. I feel, I feel bad now. But um, he went back and rewatched it, talked to some movie nerds and geeks and stuff like that. And it was, a, it was an interesting piece because he, he kind of said, this movie's not bad. I don't understand why it doesn't have any – any cultural impact, but we are definitely at the point where I don't know that anybody cares about after I, I, I need to ask cause I, you know, I have lots of kids that I work with and stuff like high schoolers and stuff. I wonder if any of them have even seen avatar and, yeah. and that is, that just hit me, but that was such a huge movie and I don't think anybody cares about it. It's, it's very odd. It's very yeah. odd to, to have a movie be that big. And then everybody just kind of shrugs and, and moves on uh, within, th- within like six months, no one cared. Yeah, Sam Worthington's career didn't really take off. Neither did <laughs> Joel Moore yeah. or uh, Sigourney Weaver hasn't really done much since then. Yeah. Uh, I guess Zoe Saldana's done pretty well for herself. She has. Yeah, she, um, she got in with the right people with she, uh, she did. Marvel. Mm. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but I'm not interested at all. I, I, I've heard it's ma- the majority of it is underwater. And we know that this James Cameron, he did a – Basically, a 3D documentary about him going down the Marianas Trench last right. couple of years ago, 2012, I think. Yeah, and it came out and flopped like major, mm-hmm. like made literally made like five thousand dollars at the box office, <laughs> and so just just bad bad taste in my mouth all around uh, about <laughs> Avatar at the moment. So it's weird. We'll I see. don't I don't dislike Avatar. I think it's fine for what it is. It's just. Uh... 
I don't know, man. It's it's an it's a really odd feeling to just be like, I don't care. I really don't care about any of these. And maybe the first trailer comes out and it kind of piques our interest or something, but uh, it doesn't it doesn't feel that way right now. That's yeah. for sure. Not at all. I've got one a uh, little bit of Star Wars news we can we can discuss oh. when Richard's gone. Uh, yeah, Ryan, because we because Richard hates Star Wars as as we he all does. Know. So we've gotten a little bit of talk. George Lucas has been talking recently. He's he's promoting this movie called. What is the name of it? Strange Magic? I think that's right. It's yeah. an animated film that I have only seen one trailer for, and it looks awesome. <laughs> it's another Star Wars, basically. I mean, surprise <laughs> hit. People are going to be lining the box office to, yeah. to get into Strange Magic. It looks Magic, like an but... animated American graffiti to me. So that's, that's <laughs> it's always good. Oh, uh, doing a... Hold on. Hold on, Kent. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just looked up Strange Magic. Do, do, you, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what this movie is based on? No. <laughs> I'll just give you the tagline it, or the the synopsis I guess on IMDb. A fairy tale a fairy tale inspired by a midsummer night's dream and centered around <laughs> goblin, elf, fairy and imp characters and their misadventures sparked by the battle over a powerful potion. Uh sign me up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see it has Kristen Chenoweth, so yeah, sign me up even more. I was about to more. make the same joke. God, God. <laughs> oh. There's a lot of other cool people in this. Bob Einstein. Yeah. Love him. Peter Stormare. Love Maya Rudolph. Love Maya Rudolph. Yeah, love yeah. Alfred Molina as well. Uh, George, George. Anyway, so he's been in the press rounds talking about strange magic and I'm, I'm sure anytime somebody comes up to him now, that's what they ask him about. I mean, right. yeah, completely forgot. Are you that guy that produced red tails? <laughs> um, <laughs> so he talked to USA today and they're asking him about episode seven, of course, and his involvement in it and stuff. And he had a pretty good quote regarding stepping away from this. So he had written the ideas for this, I guess after pre the prequels, he had mapped out seven, eight, nine, and he was planning originally on making them himself and releasing one in 2015, but he decided he didn't want a 10-year commitment, basically, out of it. <laughs> he said it was basically uh, writing off 10 years of his life to commit to do that. He also had mutual interest from Disney at that point. Uh, they had expressed interest in Lucasfilm, so uh, he made the decision, of course, to sell it to Disney and let them take over uh, his story. But he had an interesting quote, and he said... The only thing I really regret about Star Wars is the fact that I never got to see it. I never got to be blown out of my seat when the ship came over the screen. And uh, the next one, I'll be able to enjoy it just like everybody else. So I think that's really cool. Um, <laughs> just imagine that. Imagine creating that world and then yeah. walking into a movie that you literally invented the world and in, that you haven't seen and had nothing to do with the, the production of the actual film. Uh, it's pretty it's crazy. It's gonna be really weird for him, but yeah. that's I. He's such a he's such a paradox. It's he's so yeah. hard to figure out because we we love we love George Lucas, and we'll never. I, I mean, I'll speak for just for myself. I will never stop appreciating uh, the huge impact he's had on my life because Star Wars is my favorite movie of all time. That will never change, and uh, you know those those movies in, in a lot of ways shaped. A lot of who I am, and and so I, I greatly appreciate that. There are times when he comes across as completely self-aware, incredibly intelligent, uh, and, and as a visionary. And then he does things where he can't 
you know, he makes the prequels and it's clear that he doesn't know what he is doing. And so I don't know what to do with that, Kent. I, I never I never know what to do with George Lucas. On 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 one hand he's an American treasure, and on the other <laughs> hand, he's like Jerry Jones pre this year. I mean it's it's such a I think I literally since 2012, my entire outlook on Lucas has changed from hmm. from possible Piven to full <laughs> American treasure. You know how self-aware it is to sell it and to just give give it to somebody who actually knows what they're doing? Yeah. <laughs> and they can tell the story and they can hire people that are actually good actors and that right. knows how, you know, put it in the right hands. Like what's what's more sense of humor about oneself than that? Like I literally don't know what I'm doing anymore. And people won't stop telling me that. So how about I let somebody do it that knows what they're doing? Yeah. And he said in here too that the time is way more valuable than the money he would have made making yeah. these money movies. So he's literally like, I've done so much already. Um, I'm I'm fat, old, and rich. So I'm yeah. going to be fat, old, and rich, which is awesome too. So right. I, I would have agreed with you pre-2012. But now yeah, my, he, he, my my whole outlook on Lucas has shifted. It definitely, and we've talked about this before, but it definitely takes a lot of guts to uh, to say that this is a, you know, I love this thing that I've created, but I can't do it correctly anymore. Mm-hmm. And and I, I've always respected that he was he hasn't taken like a, t- I don't know, he's not trying to, to take this to Disney and make movies at Disney. That he just straight stepped away and probably sold it for at a pretty significant discount if we're if we're being honest four billion dollars yeah. for star wars uh is not that much so he probably could have driven a, hard, a higher bar harder bargain if you wanted to um probably could have just demanded that he get to make these or write the movies or whatever it may be and and instead has just really stepped away and so i i greatly appreciate that uh about him and it's, it's just he's an he's a he's a tough guy to figure out on a lot of levels i still don't believe him when he says he hasn't seen the trailer to episode seven how could you not just see the trailer even (laughs) how could you like be on the internet and not click play when you see that youtube video scroll by you know i don't know know. i've watched it a thousand times like this week so i don't (laughs) so good little round of movie news yeah a couple little release notes uh we were able to hit on and always good to talk star wars but let's move on brian and let's talk a little bit of whiplash five six and I want to be great. And you're not. We got Buddy Rich here. Little trouble there. You're rushing. Here we go. Five, six, and... Let's go with initial impressions first here. What were your expectations for this movie, Brian? I, I know it, it's sort of an independent, <laughs> independent movie, and it really sort of came out of nowhere. It was shot in a limited number of days. I think in one month it was mm-hmm. shot, edited, and submitted to Sundance or something like that. Really small budget here, not a lot of production, but um, pretty powerful film, in my opinion. But uh, what are your initial thoughts of Whiplash? This is the type of movie that uh, the limited release works for. So I, I should say that because I'm I'm on record multiple times of bashing limited release, um, and I and I I hold to that about ninety five percent of the time. This is one of the the five percent where if you can take a small movie, take it to Sundance or whatever film festival. I'm not sure if it's did Sundance or, or whatnot, but regardless, take it to film festivals, uh, build an audience, build some critical support, and then kind of have a a let it open. Uh, you know, a couple 
couple cities at a time, essentially, uh, and build word of mouth. That's you know it can work for that that sort of thing. We had heard a lot about it coming in uh, to the point of like we said at the outset, we've been dying to see this movie for for months and just haven't had the uh, had the opportunity. But what's really interesting about this, and I I I don't know if you're in the same boat or not, Kent. I've never seen a trailer for this movie. Yeah, um, I don't think I had either, really. And I, I know it's out there. I'm sure I could have YouTubed it or, or whatever, but I didn't feel the need because there was so much buzz and so and the word of mouth was so strong. And I just felt like I already had a I had a feel for what this movie was going to be just from the poster and the buzz and the limited uh, you know number of articles and whatnot that I kind of skimmed. Uh, so coming in, I I, I I knew what the plot was going to be, and I I pretty much expected this was going to be an actor's showcase and uh and maybe not it was going to be one of those where you say man the performances are great i don't know that the movie is that great i don't know if you you have those same thoughts but i through the course of the movie i kind of was sticking with that original idea of just like hey jk simmons is killing it uh and miles teller is is bringing it as well but this is really more of an actor showcase and the movie's okay it's fine it's a good movie but it's nothing to write home about beyond the, those performances. And then it gets into the last scene that takes about 20 minutes. And uh, we'll get specific on the last scene just in case uh, we need to alert on spoilers. We'll, we'll do that in a minute. But that last scene is maybe the best scene of the entire year in any movie that I've seen. And uh, I am just, I'm still just, I'm mesmerized by the way that it all came together, the power of it. Uh, it's just such a, it's such a fat, pulpy scene, and uh, I am man. I, I I loved. I loved the ending. It brought the whole thing together for me in a very special way, and and I think shot the movie up at least a grade, if not two grades. Uh, I I'm just I'm really in awe of that of that last sequence, and uh, I I'm excited to talk to you about it. Yeah, it's. <laughs> That last scene is is awesome, but we Jeez. will save that for spoilers, of course. Um, man, I was anticipating this one a lot. Mm. I love love jazz music. <laughs> it, it, all you had to do was tell me movie about jazz, and I'd be like, <laughs> okay, I'm down. I don't care the context at all. I was really interested in this, and this one, this was, this is one of those, man, why didn't I think of that type things? Super easy to shoot this movie. You hire, what, 25 studio session musicians. You find a really cool jazz arrangement of a couple tunes yeah. uh, that you base the story around, which they did, the song Whiplash and Caravan and a few others. And uh, you hire some really good stage slash uh, movie actors like a J.K. Simmons and then an up-and-comer like Miles Teller, and boom, there you go. This movie came together really well for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I loved this movie. Really... It's surrounded by two really intense dialogue sequences between Miles Teller and J.K. and the, while they're at, uh, I guess, rehearsal, mm -hmm. you could call it. Uh, but the rest is basically just the jazz, the, yeah. the music. And I, I love how they let the music play. And there are some movies, specifically uh, Inside Lewin Davis last year, I love the songs and I love the Coen brothers and everything, but I didn't feel like they let the music play enough. Like play the entire context yeah. of the song sometimes, especially the song, which, which one was it? Fair, fair thee well. And that yeah. one, you never hear the song from beginning to end throughout the entire movie. 
And that really bugged me. I love Crazy Heart, where you hear uh, several of the songs that are in the movie multiple times. So by the end of the movie, you know the song, you know? Mm -hmm. And I love that about Whiplash, too. How they use sort of the repetitiveness of rehearsing a song to get it in the audience's mind as well. So you could hear mess-ups and stuff like that towards the end uh, of the movie. But I love the context of a really, I guess, prestigious jazz school. Yeah. Um, I, I played in jazz band growing up. That that was like my first foray into like bass guitar was mm-hmm. was jazz bass. And so uh, I can relate to, I guess, Miles Teller's character in here. I went to like this jazz camp one summer that was at TCU, which is the college I ended up going to. But um, And it was taught by like basically college professors in jazz. Mm-hmm. So they were really proficient, like J.K. J. Simmons' character. And here we are like, you know – high school freshmen coming in there <laughs> at this summer camp that we signed up for. It's, it was like a three-day camp. It wasn't anything. But they expected perfection out of you, and it really put you sort of in your place. Uh, and it's weird how music can do that and put a person like in their place for their entire life. And I like how mm-hmm. they related that to him and his girlfriend, too. Yeah. Because that literally became all he cared about was perfecting a drum solo in a – uh, in a song or impressing just J.K. Simmons, not even uh, not even being the best drummer in the band, but just Im- doing enough to impress J.K. Simmons. So, right. Um, and it's just interesting because the the jazz music that they choose is on sheet music, and the whole to me the essence of jazz is you know that you know the basic scale of the song, you know where it's gonna go, but no one really sticks to the sheet. Everyone kind of just plays along. And jazz is sort of free like that. You never really know what's going to happen, you know? Um, And it's just amazing how adamant J.K. Simmons was about getting it exactly right on the sheet music Mm -hmm. every single time. And uh, to me, jazz was about each each take of a song is not like the take before it, and it never will be the same, you know? You'll you'll never be able to play that. Like, the Miles Davis kind of blue album was, you know, all one take. They could never play it again the same way ever. Sure. And that's, what's beautiful about it. And, um, it's just an interesting way to look at jazz music. And I love this movie. I'll say that it's, it's pretty high up there this year. I don't, I'm not going to get talk favorites right now, but this Mm -hmm. one surprised me and it, it was everything I really expected. So I'm not sure if I would go as far as this exhilarating, astounding talk, you know, that people are throwing at it, but, um, very strong, strong to quite strong. I should mm. say. What did you like about it specifically? Uh, I thought you, you mentioned a lot of it, but the, the way that they that uh, and we should we should mention the director's name, and I want to make sure I, I get it Damien right. Damien Chazelle. Chazelle. Okay. okay, he's young. He's he's uh, yes. a couple years younger than I am, so right right between you and I on on the uh, age scale. He's kind of a uh, he's an up and co- he he he's going to have his pick of projects, I would think. Yeah. After this one, let's let's put it that way. He did a fantastic job of knowing exactly how far the story needed to go and i don't just mean the uh the main plot point i mean the subplots he hit those at just the right times uh and in and in at just the right lengths with the you mentioned the the subplot with the girlfriend that was a great 
that was a perfect amount of scrub screen time yeah. for that yeah. little relationship because I mean two minutes more and you you feel like this is taking away from what's actually huh. happening here. Same thing with his dad played by Paul Reiser who is really good. I mean it's a super small role but Paul yeah. Reiser did a really great job. Uh, and, O'Malley, and it Paul also, Reiser, yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. O'Malley candidate, uh, Paul Reiser. The narrative just just stays on track beautifully and mm-hmm. and uh, just gives you and he didn't he didn't. Um, he didn't give you too much elaboration on the the outside plot points either. I think he kind of just let the audience figure out what was happening, and I thought that was great too because this is definitely a movie that could drown in exposition, and uh, and it really didn't. So so it's streamlined. I think is the best way to put it. It starts and it carries through, and it's not like edge of your seat or anything like that. But it just it hits each note, not to make a pun, but it hits each note perfectly. Through the first, through that whole hour and forty-five minutes, or at least the first hour and twenty minutes, and then the last twenty minutes just hits you over the head. Uh, so I really enjoyed that. I thought the pacing was per- was really good, and something that that's something you don't really expect from a guy who's who's really making his first movie. Uh, that doesn't usually that's something that usually you can point to as say with a young filmmaker and say that's something that they'll figure out in two or three movies. Well, he got that down. So uh, kudos to him. Miles Teller was great. I. I think I probably I feel like uh, we in the in the past when we've talked about Miles Teller, you're a little higher on him than I am, and Richards is a lot lower than either of us are yeah. on him. Uh, I like Myers, Miles Teller fine, uh, and I thought he was really good in this. And then there's J.K. Simmons, which I'm sure who we'll we'll talk quite a bit about. I, I would assume once yeah. when we get to that point. But uh, J.K. Simmons is fantastic, and it's such a harsh character that he's playing and he just really goes at it and gra- grabs hold of it and doesn't uh doesn't let up for the entire length of the movie so lots of good stuff there uh but i'm i'm very impressed with uh with chazelle and the way that he put this whole thing together yeah man he this is impressive i'll say that on the on the topic of miles teller um he's special uh doesn't really showcase it here much for me, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. thought he would be better than it was, in my opinion. But I think this guy has potential. I'll say that. I've seen it before in certain areas, and I've seen it a little bit here, uh, especially in the drumming. If that's really him drumming, yeah, man, wow. <laughs> you know, I, I am convinced that he he's good enough to fake it, but uh, that they had – a studio drummer playing most of it. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's good enough to where they could overdub it and it won't look weird if they edit it right or whatever. But if he's actually right. playing, I mean, I did look and see that he did, you know, does play drums and took lessons for this movie and all that. But I don't know if how much they actually used. I'd be interested to know that. Maybe we'll find out at a later date, but he was, he was good. Um, the last scene, we'll talk about him more. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. But, I think he has potential here. This is a good choice for him, I think, as an actor. Do a really small kind of side project movie. Mm-hmm. You know, because he, he's been picking ever... I mean, I guess the spectacular now is where he's, people sort of started talking about him the most, but he did, mm-hmm. what, Divergent? Yeah, Divergent, he's got Fantastic Four coming up. Oh, he does have that coming up. That's, that's right. Uh, but Divergent, he... He went and badmouthed that a lot after he did it. Yeah, he basically said I I literally only did it for the money. Like, and uh, 
really regretted it afterward because I'm sure the studio came to him and was like, dude, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, we got three more. Because he, yeah, he's in the, uh, he's in the sequels. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, I, he has a very Tom Hanks quality, a young Tom Hanks quality, I think. So we'll see how his career ends up, of course. If he, if he's Hanks, you know, if he's, yeah. if he's Hanks too, then wow. But, um, <laughs> He'll be an American treasure like Tom Hanks is, but we'll see. Uh, let's talk about dislikes. What did you dislike here? There's not much, man. There's not much to complain about. Maybe some of the early stuff with uh, with him becoming part of the band and uh, the interactions with the other drummer. It, it, it came across less competitive and more just being douchebags, which <laughs> I don't think that's what they were going for. Yeah. Maybe they were. I, I Maybe Chazelle was. But I, I, I felt like he was trying to get across that this is uber competitive and uh, all these guys would, would – would basically stab any of the others in the back to be able to to stay in the first chair and all that sort of thing. I think that's what he's trying to do, but I didn't quite get that so much as it just came across as, man, these people suck. Um, but I mean, that's that's almost that's about the only complaint that I have. This is this is really really good. I'm I'm very impressed with uh, with what they were able to do with this, and on small budget too, like three point three million dollars. So they doubled their money. And it looks really good too. Uh, so that's you know I, I've got very few complaints. Can't do you have something that you want to bring up? Um, maybe you, if it was a little longer. Honestly, sure. <laughs> I wanted more. I wanted more of this. I wanted more music. Seriously. Um, yeah. I wanted. I love the performances. I love how they focus on the performances. Uh, Chazelle knows how to shoot a jazz band. Okay. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if he was a jazz student or went to one of these schools or something, but I would not be surprised. If he did, I'm gonna look more into his uh, into his past yeah. and and find that out. But uh, I guess he he says he went to Harvard with uh, visual environmental environmental studies. So I guess not not yeah. really jazz, but I'm sure he knows the industry. But man, it, it just looked it looked so delectable. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, it's jazz is so cool. It's so stylish. It's so uh, makes you want to smoke a cigar and like put a, <laughs> drink a glass yeah. of brandy. You know what I mean? Wear some sort of fedora. And he or totally something. knows yeah. how to shoot that yeah. in a movie. It just drips of like gold. Um, Absolutely. I love the lighting. I, I he just n- nailed it on the on the scenes of the band and the drums themselves. And I was impressed by just the cinematography mm-hmm. of the movie. And yeah. he write he wrote this movie too as well. We should say. Uh, pretty impressive there. It was based on a a short film that was thirty minutes, I believe, and I'm I'm sure it was one of the scenes with J.K. Simmons. And then he got the AOK to, or the budget to make it into a full movie after he did that. Mm. So all you got to do is get a decent actor to agree to be in your short film, and boom, you could be an Oscar Oscar winning director or something like yep. that. I, I I'm willing to go out on a limb and say J.K. Simmons is the favorite now. Yeah, uh, for supporting actor. Yeah, let's let's talk J.K. Simmons. It's not a spoiler to say we'll just talk this right now. The Golden Globe for best supporting actor in a drama um, went to J.K. Simmons for this movie. Uh, he beat out Ruffalo in Foxcatcher, Edward Norton in Birdman, Robert Duvall in The Judge, and Ethan Hawke in Boyhood. So pretty uh, pretty stacked category. Right. And I think it's he sort of won in a landslide. It felt like. Yeah. Yeah, if I had to, if we were doing some sort of like survivor pool on yeah. uh, on the Academy Awards, I think this would be all of our absolute lock. I whether he 
we can talk whether you know any of us would. I, I personally would still vote Ethan Hawke over, and that's not a knock on on J.K. Simmons. I think I just think Ethan Hawke is one of the big reasons why uh, Boyhood succeeds. So we, we can talk about that more later. But I think he is an he's an absolute lock to win that award. J.K. Simmons is. I think so as well. Man, he brings it in this movie. Mm-hmm. Absolute. <laughs> Absolutely brings it. And I wonder if it's a thing where he knew this movie was something special, this or this director was something special, or if he just got a hold of this thing and just wanted to have some fun here. Yeah. And uh you can tell he really cared about this movie or script or something about this project. Because mm-hmm. he put I, I feel like he's had this potential his whole career, but never really got the right script, the right character to showcase his his talent. I mean, he's J. Jonah Jameson and Spider Man. Right, and the reason they haven't had J. Jonah Jameson in the new Spider-Man <laughs> series is because he, there, uh, Mark Webb's been like, well, J.K. Simmons is literally the only person that can play that character now yeah, because of yeah, how yeah. he played it in the first movie. So they they were considering considering bringing him back in the new Andrew Garfield Spider-Man as that character, which mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I love that character and him as that character, but that's really the only thing he's done that people would recognize him for. I wonder if he's. I, I wonder if say, this is I mean, going to spark his career more. It's I don't know. I mean, I think he. I think Juno. he has a, a little bit. Yeah, Juno was a big deal, um, and I think he's got. I think he's just one of those guys that has that face. You know, like oh, I know that guy from, or I've seen that guy before, things like that. I don't think he's ever had, though, the opportunity to play a supporting role with this kind of. Uh, Screen time for one, but also just that flair and to really just cut loose and just be an actor rather than, uh, you know, a face in the background and things like that. I think he's a supremely talented guy and I've always been a big fan of his. And so we always love when a character actor gets the opportunity to to shine, whether it's in a starring role or like this where you're just like clearly uh, the the guy and playing off of the the lead and uh, are clearly – the reason why the movie clicks and why it works. And I think that's absolutely true here. Um, it felt like, uh, it felt like he was kind of working off some aggression the, yeah. <laughs> in the, uh, the way that he presented this character. It, this is not a nice dude. Not at all. And, uh, and it's hard to play. It's, it's, I don't know our movies these days and I, this is fine. I'm not bashing on it, but we have kind of transitioned to, where most a lot of our villains in in movies these days are are charismatic and uh and you could almost root for them if it wasn't just for the fact that they're bad you know like it's they're real mm-hmm. close to the line and and we want to blur that line between good and bad and all that sort of thing this guy is a jerk and there's no two ways about it. i mean just kind of a rotten person and it's hard to pull that off it is really hard to to keep interest, especially when you're being this um, egregiously ugly and angry and 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 maybe evil, can we say evil? I don't. I mean, it's, yeah. It's, it's, and and the th- sad thing about it is, he has the worst of intentions. It seems like, yeah, honestly, because oh, yeah. the, the you, you can be aggressive and get your point across without using sure. the, the the terminology that he uses oh, yeah. is just. It's unrepeatable, honestly. Yeah. And um, why? What's the point of that? What What does that accomplish? You know, yeah. other than if you truly hate somebody or or just that type of person, it's just it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, he it's it's tough. It's it's like you said, it's unrepeatable and it's it's brutal. And so for him to be for Simmons to to take that character and make it so electrifying that you can't you can't turn it off obviously and you can't not just come away in awe of what he's doing. That's something, man. That's a really difficult task to pull off and and I think this is one where you kind of have to say, I'm not sure that there's very many actors that could have done that. Uh, yeah, and so the, yeah. we always like that. We always like that that feeling. Um, you know, that's that's what I tweeted about this during the the Golden Globes. But that's that's what I like about George Clooney is because I come out of a George Clooney movie, and there's an argument to be made that he's just playing George Clooney in pretty much every movie that he does, and that's fine because when I come out, I think I don't know that anybody else could play that could have pulled that off, uh, and that's. That's to me. That's a very high compliment. And Simmons, I, I think he hit the, the nail on the head on, with, on that front with this one because I don't know how many how many dudes could step into his shoes and and make that happen. J.K. Simmons. I'm assuming no relation to J.K. Rowling. <laughs> no I would JK. think not. I mean, well, maybe you know. Richard Simmons. No, nope. maybe Richard Simmons. That that could at least or make Gene it. Simmons. Oh, he's from Detroit, so probably Gene Simmons. Probably. No, you're absolutely right, and I. I want to mention specifically the scene. He finally gives Miles Teller the reins to be the 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 drummer, the mm. the one chair, I guess you would call it, the first chair drummer. Right. And uh, it's it's one of the best scenes of the year, if not the scene at the end that we'll talk about here in a second. But the um, the scene where Miles Teller doesn't know if he's rushing or uh, dragging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The tempo. Oh, yeah. yeah. When he's when J.K. Simmons is counting off the tempo of the song, oh, yep. what a fantastic scene that is! And um, when he finally gets it right, and us as an audience sort of seek the approval of J.K. Simmons in that yes. moment, we're like, yes. "Please don't stop!" So we can hear the song. Please don't stop! You know, it's <laughs> like once he finally gets it right, we're like, "Oh, thankfully that's over!" You know, because we Absolutely. feel. We feel sort of caught in between those two characters at that moment. We're like, we're just here to listen to the song, okay? Right. You don't have to get <laughs> angry about it. And, uh, man, what a fantastic scene that is. Um, but we should move on and talk about the, the final ending one Oof. here, I guess. Um, spoilers ahead. Spoilers you, you ahead. Seen Whiplash. Uh, Go ahead, Brian. Yeah. So the final scene is just uh, 20 minutes, maybe an exaggeration, Kim, but I don't, I, I don't know. I didn't really feel like it was. Yeah. We get this this moment of sort of not necessarily redemption, but kind of a, an understanding between the two characters and Teller is going to come in and play for Simmons in this, this band that he's got going. It's a big venue. It's a big, uh, big night. And he gives him the wrong music (laughs) to play just as (laughs) this awful, awful mean dig back at him for, uh, for getting him fired and all that sort of stuff. And, and you they play through and he looks bad and it's it's you think that's going to be the end of it and then he walks back on stage and starts playing and gets the rest of the band into uh uh uh, uh what's the what's the other song besides whiplash carnival uh caravan uh, caravan caravan uh gets him back into that and he goes straight into another and it's it's the it's the longest scene it's a long long take and it looks like it's one take i know it's not but it looks like it's one take uh, and it culminates kind of in this this 
incredible camera work of jumping back and forth between Teller on the kit and Simmons conducting and Teller on the kit and Simmons conduct. And they're, they're both just getting more and more into it and it's getting intense yeah. and loud. And, uh, you just feel like, holy crap. Like you feel like uh, you just said it can't, this was the terminology that I was going to use. I don't, I don't want to steal from you, but you feel like you are standing between the two of them mm-hmm. and it's just building and building and building. Uh, it is, and it is a, fascinating scene and one of the coolest looking scenes you'll see all year and and easily one of the the most powerful scenes of the year and it, and I, like i said at the outset i think it takes that whole movie and it brings it together in that last 20 minutes and just takes the whole thing up a notch or three notches or 10 notches it's just such a great scene didn't you feel and this is of course we're still in spoilers now this major spoiler coming up uh, for Whiplash, if you're still listening. Um, didn't you feel that when Miles Teller leaves the leaves the rehearsal place and gets in the car wreck, didn't you feel that he wasn't going to make it there and that he yeah. was going to die? I thought he was going to die at the end. With how they told the backstory of J.K. Simmons and his other student who died, mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was going to happen again. Or at least some repercussions was, were going to come out of that. Like J.K. Simmons was going to find out that he had the wreck uh, before the performance or something, you know, because he sort of walks yeah. on the stage and just nails that last performance. No, I thought they were going to go through a more like cliche bit there. Like I thought we were going to we, we got the car wreck. I thought we were going to wake up in a hospital and J.K. Simmons is there yeah. and he's apologetic and yes. being kind all That's of a sudden. And, stuff like that. Go. and boy, that did not go that way at all. Like he. He gets you know, he out comes, of the car and runs yeah, he gets the street, out of the car and tries to stage, perform. Yeah. And, yeah, and Simmons can tell he's just been through something horrible and kicks him out of the band. Like that's a – I mean <laughs> that dude's hardcore, number one. But number two, uh, it, I think that shows the craftsmanship of Chazelle to be able to avoid that uh, – it's not necessarily a trope, but that moment that uh, they expected You know, because yeah. I think 90% of the time – that's the choice that the movie's going to make. We're going to get this moment of redemption or they're going to kind of have something to bond over. And so they, they fix their relationship and they understand each other. And that is not the case. And, uh, and it makes, well, a, it makes the movie better. And B, it leads to having this incredible scene of that starts out as revenge on Simmons part, then kind of transitions to revenge on Teller's part. And then they do have this moment where they get it. And for the first time, like they're seeing eye to eye and it just really locks in yeah. the, the whole movie. I, that, I'm, I'm going to go back and watch the scene again tonight. Cause it just was so awesome. You feel that all that was worth it in that mm-hmm. moment. Yes. Like what the music they made together, the mm-hmm. energy that they felt at that moment, like all that, bull crap that they experienced before right. was worth that moment. And of course that's where the movie ends on, of course the best note possible and man, yeah. great. But even still movie. like uh, it, it, it ends, it's not a happy note. Can we, yeah. can we say that? Like it ends and it's the perfect way to end and it does bring the whole movie together, but it still leaves you with this lingering note of kind of darkness uh, because yeah, they're seeing eye to eye and, and they've made this whole thing has been made worthwhile but at the end of the day jk simmons is still kind of evil (laughs) and miles teller is still uh he's so wrapped up in the need for approval from this guy that you don't know where i think jk simmons wants him to be the one 
He wanted yeah. him to be the one the entire time. Yes. And in that moment, he, he, J.K. Simmons and Miles Teller realize, I'm the one, you're the one. This yeah. is this is working type yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, but but where that ends is very unclear, you know, yeah. from from the conclusion of the film. I mean, this could really take very dark tones, and I liked that. I thought that was a hundred percent fitting. Oh, you didn't the, see the the, the post credit sequence where J.K. Simmons beheads uh, Miles Teller on stage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> it's a little things, harsh, but yeah, you see where it ends. I mean, <laughs> you're never going to get any better than this. <laughs> Shlink. Yeah. Just beheads him. Just yeah, <laughs> get it right. Um, let's move on to grades, Brian. I'm going to give Whiplash a solid A. Um, I want to see this again. Yeah. Pretty bad. And this is going to rank on my best of the year list somewhere. Uh, I haven't made those final calculations at this point, but, um, love this movie. Everything I like, uh, in a movie. So pretty, pretty high on it. Uh, solid A. Brian. Yeah, I'm going to give it an A as well. And I think it was uh it was hovering in the B plus range for me before that last scene. Yeah. And uh again, best scene of the year, I think, and totally wrecked all my stuff. Like I've been writing all my lists <laughs> and and you know, here's here's the movies I would I would uh have on my Oscar ballot if I had an Oscar ballot. And here's my top 10 list where favoritism plays and all that sort of stuff. Uh and they're both up in the air now because uh, I did and not. You still expect... haven't seen American Sniper. I know so. that'll be. I'm, I'm headed to the theater tonight after we get done with this. Uh, and but I don't. I don't anticipate that one's going to mess up my list. To be honest, I, I think I'm going to like that one, but I'm not overly optimistic about it being yeah. uh, something that I'm going to just love or just be blown away by. And this just rocked my world. So and it, it messed up everything. So thanks a lot, Whiplash. But seriously, yeah, a really good movie. <laughs> really good. Cool. Well, let's move on and let's hit a quick recommend. Weekly recommends. Go ahead, Ryan. I'm going to give you a, one of the movies that I caught up with uh, over the last couple weeks, getting ready to make all my lists and all that sort of stuff. I rented like a thousand movies from an actual brick and mortar sort of place, which does still exist if you are wow. confused about that. Uh, family Video. Shout out to Family Video on that. Uh it's a movie that I heard a lot about, and I kind of said, no, there's no way that can be good because of some of the cast, uh, people involved, uh, one guy in particular. And it's kind of, I don't know, the, the desire to see it has grown on me, and I finally got to it, and I, I really I really enjoyed it. It kind of crashed my big surprise list uh, this year. Uh, it's called The Rover, stars Guy Pierce and Robert Pattinson, who I did not think hmm. could act, but... Uh, Based on Twilight movies and you know just <laughs> and general, everything, yeah, yeah, just his general being. But uh, <laughs> it, it turns out he's not bad when you put him when he's got a good director and he's got a, something to work with. It's an interesting character piece from him, and he works off of Guy Pierce really well. And Guy Pierce is a great actor, and I think there's times when he just gets kind of he gets into these movies that he just kind of has to slog through, uh, like Prometheus or. Uh, even Iron Man three, he's not that great in in that movie. Yeah. I think this is where he shines. Is when it's a a leading role in a smaller movie uh, because he's he's kind of a baller and he's really can play a tough guy really well. And that's what he's doing here. Uh, it's it's based in it's in Australia. Uh, it's directed by David Mashad, who did Animal Kingdom a couple years yeah. ago, which was kind of a big breakout for a lot of people involved. The movie's written by Joel Edgerton, who I'm a big fan of. Hasn't had a great year hmm. acting, a couple years acting, but 
Uh, anyway, it, it, it's 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 based like ten years after quote the global economic collapse. So it's not quite post apocalyptic, but it's got some of those overtones to it. And it's just about this guy who's trying to track down some people that stole his car. It's a very simple plot that takes a very interesting and, and unexpected, I don't want to say twist, but it goes in a direction that you don't expect uh, towards the end. And Robert Pattinson is just kind of along for the ride with him. It's gritty. It's brutal. Um, there's a lot of very uh, R-rated violence. Uh, so, you, you know, if that's not your thing, please be aware of that. Um, but it, it has – it's – it's closer to a character study than I expected it was going to be going in, uh, and I I quite enjoyed it. it was, it's it's a really well made movie. What's it called again? It's called The Rover, and the it's not Rover. on Netflix yet. I'm sure it's going to be something that pops up on Netflix in the next couple of months. It's been out since like June or July, so yeah, uh, I would think that that is headed our way at some point. And it is a it's a great Netflix movie, but it it's if you're able to get to a brick and mortar or you can just you know rent it on amazon or something like that i think i i would recommend it that far like it's it's worth looking up and it's it's very interesting the direction that it takes sweet uh i'm gonna recommend a podcast sweet uh our friend mark Marin had uh a few notable directors on the, the past week he's had a lot of great guests uh i guess making their rounds for oscars and stuff like that uh, he had Richard Linklater on uh, this past week, so I want to recommend that uh, the Mark Marin podcast with Richard Linklater. Uh, of course, one of our favorite directors on the show. Uh, he talks a lot about the making of Boyhood and uh, his boyhood growing up in Texas and uh, being from around where we are and everything, and discovering McConaughey and just just all around awesome guy Linklater is. And they talk about School of Rock in there. So he talks about making that, so look forward to that. Oh, if you're a fan hey, hold of the on. podcast, Can't listen carefully. Oh, yeah, you can oh, hear yeah. Richard yeah, crying. I can if you're, if you're careful. Yeah. <laughs> he, oh, sobbing ten miles away, <laughs> I can hear him. Uh, but I mean, great, great conversation. And um, anytime you can hear Link later talking about uh, how he makes movies, it's good. It's good to hear, yeah. especially for people who are interested in podcasts that relate to movies, which is everybody right now listening to this. That's right. Uh, so check that out. Richard Link later on uh, the Mark Maron podcast. So that's my recommend. Uh, so go do that. And uh, before we get out of here, Brian, where can I find you online? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 and you can find my writing at CanBabiesDrinkRedBull.com. And I've been doing a bunch of movie stuff this week, all my yeah. recaps yes. and things like that. So please check that out. I'd, I'd love to love to get your input on that. Kent, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison, and uh, you can find my list of my best and worst on Brian's website already. I just <laughs> carbon copied my list. From I'll Brian's. just put your name at the so bottom. So I don't even have to come up with my list yeah, anymore. It's perfect. It is great. Uh, no surprise f- for anyone involved. And um, <laughs> you can find all of our episodes on our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Contact the show on there. Leave us a review on iTunes. And uh, if you like what we do, send us an email and tell us tell us that. That'd be uh, that'd be nice yeah. as well. And yeah, on that note, one of, one of these days too, we're yeah. gonna we will catch up. We've been really good about responding and all that stuff, but I think uh, in a in a couple of weeks, once all the the end of 2014 stuff gets wrapped up, we're gonna really push like trying to talk about the emails and answer them and stuff like that. We've had a lot of great feedback from you guys, so don't think we're not paying attention to any of that. We we definitely love that. We want to please continue. With that. Yeah, and 
on that note, until next time, Brian, I will see you at the cinema. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I've got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. Your salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.